If you would love to create a transformational and successful coaching business, but you don't know where to start or how to make this a full-time career, then my new certification program, Influential Coach, is for you. There is no other four-month live online mastermind like this. I'm going all in, guns blazing on this one with you to skyrocket your coaching career and personal brand online. You will learn the frameworks I personally use for rapid transformational coaching so you can support your clients to achieve their dreams no matter where they are in life. You will also learn how to authentically brand and market yourself as a coach so you can stand out from the rest and build a career of freedom and fulfillment. Spots are limited and this is an application only program. So if you're serious about finally committing to building a successful career in transformational coaching, then head over to imjoelbrown.com slash coach and apply today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Addicted to Success podcast. I'm your host, Joel Brown, and I'm here today with Sandeep Chenakeshu. He is the former CTO of Ericsson and uh, president of BlackBerry. Also, Sandeep has uh, just stepped in and, and serves as the COO at Under Inc. And he's got a new book that has just come out. It's called Your Company is Your Castle. I love that title. That's amazing. And this is about proven methods for building a resilient business. I know a lot of people nowadays are wanting to, to um, leave the nine to five to build their own businesses or create opportunities for more employment for others in their in their you know city or their local area and they want to be able to be entrepreneurs so sandeep has been around the block for many many years uh he has a wealth of experience in leading the development and launches of technology that billions of people use every day via cell phones laptops wearables satellites medical equipment and cars like he's he's been amongst a lot of amazing things that we get to experience in this world and with over two decades of corporate experience and a PhD in electrical engineering, Sandeep now serves with his company under. And we want to know more about how we can utilize these incredible principles from the book, Your Company is Your Castle, so that you can grow your startups, so that you can have an impact in this world through your business. So Sandeep is the man to share his principles today. Sandeep, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you so much, Joel. It's a privilege. Thank you. Yeah. So your book, your company is your castle. You just mentioned to me before that you sat with this for three years straight and you were very meticulous about it. You didn't want to just put it out for significance or anything like that. You wanted to make sure it was a, a solid book. I would say probably like a Bible uh, for the business world, right? And, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you put in over 2,500 hours of, of work into this book. So if anybody's listening, you're like, wow, I want a great business book. I would say this one would have to be the book for you. Uh, you also had fact checkers look through it. You sent it off to people that were very objective about whether the the wisdom in it was, you know, solid or not. And uh, I'm really happy that you've you've just, you know, you're a real author, right? Like I respect that. I respect that you went to that vigilant work to make sure it's a solid body of work for this world. So, uh, what are you most excited about for this book? I think the the most exciting part is having the book launched. A lot of people that I didn't know have bought the book and are giving me very good feedback. I mean, I have vendors actually who come when to do business and they bring the book along and say, can you sign it? Um, you know, they're university professors from business schools who are telling me it's really good. 
can you come and lecture in my classes? And uh, I'm making new friends. And I'm, you know, from a, a large number of industries, and I'm getting to interact with all of these people and share information and knowledge. So that's the most exciting part, meeting people and and learning about new perspectives and and different things. I love this. Let's keep it real, Sandeep. In the business world, it's not just a walk in the park, right? Uh, it can be pretty brutal out there if you don't know what you're doing. And uh, the statistics are that two-thirds of businesses will fail uh, within the first 10 years, right? That's, uh, that's a pretty high number. So, like, why is this the case? And what do you think is a good, well, maybe safeguard or solution or a couple solutions that we can start implementing so that we're not in the two-thirds of the businesses that fail within the first 10 years? Yeah, you know, I think uh, there there are some well-researched reasons why companies fail. You know, some of the reasons are the most popular one, of course, is they run out of money. Over 80% of them just run out of money. Uh, they spend their money and they cannot raise any more because they have nothing to show. Uh, they do not do enough research about the market. For example, they price their products, which the market cannot bear. They do not have enough knowledge about the competitors, uh, or they don't hire the right people to start the different functions needed in a business. And having worked across a number of industries and seeing both the highs and the lows, I think it's because people opt for speed over structure. And I don't think you need to be bureaucratic and process oriented to do that, but you need a certain structure to build a business and grow it methodically. And if you don't do that, you're invariably going to run into trouble. And that is why in the book, I explain eight elements uh, that you need in order for your business to survive and thrive, not just survive, but thrive. And there are recipes that allow you to do that. Yeah, this is powerful. I like that you've broken it up into an easy to follow structure and system. Like you've spent so many decades learning all the things you've learned and you've just compiled it into these like step-by-step systems for the everyday person to be able to, to learn from. So thank you for that. Can you describe the eight elements of a medieval castle and yeah. how you've applied them to building a successful business? Yeah. Uh, you know, in, a, in any castle, right, that has stood the test of time and invasions um, and nature's elements, normally these castles are built in strategic locations on solid bedrock. Okay, so they're a very stable foundation or a stable base. And on that, then, and that in a business is your business model. You need the business model to be stable. You need it to be sticky. Otherwise, it's, it's going to, at some point, it'll give way. The next thing is, how do you build a foundation on this uh, base? And the foundation represents your ability to generate cash. Because without cash, you cannot grow your business. You need to invest. You need to uh, you know, do things that consumes money. Either someone's going to give you money or you've got to generate it yourself. <laughs> and uh, uh, on top of that foundation, you start building your castle. And you have to basically, you know, you build a perimeter wall. Most castles had a perimeter wall. They had one or more walls. 
And the wall represents your strategy because it encompasses the castle. Okay. And right in the middle of the castle is the keep where people, nobility lived. There were the granary, the armory. And the keep represents, in my metaphor or extended metaphor or analogy, it's the keep represents the culture of the company. Okay, because when the keep fell, the castle fell, it didn't matter if the strategy was, if the wall was standing. Okay, uh, once the keep falls, the castle falls. So in a way, culture is the last refuge in a company. And I am saying, right, your strategy uh, tells you what you want to get done. Culture determines what you get done. So if culture and strategy are not aligned, right, you're never going to implement your strategy. Now, the perimeter wall is, is large. It's, it's quite encompassing. So you want to have towers interspersed along the, tower, along the wall in order to protect it so that invaders don't try to scale it or tunnel under it. And these towers have guards. And what are these four towers? Because the towers and the wall together form a structural bond to protect the castle. And the towers are product creation. How do you create winning products? Product delivery. How do you create products with the right time, right quality, right cost? Okay. How do you create sales channels that are productive? I call them the pipes of sustenance. And then how do you basically, and the fourth tower is the, is execution. What do you do every day? Like, you know, what do you do every day to make sure that your business is thriving in every aspect of your business? And how do you do it? Finally, the keep in the castle needs a roof. And I call that roof uh, stakeholder confidence. And who are the stakeholders? Your investors, your customers, and your employees. Investors give you money to do good things. Customers pay you to continue to do good things. And without employees, you cannot do good things. So, you know, getting that confidence is extremely important. So these are the eight elements of a business that I talk about that if you can fortify and build, you will have a resilient business. Just like castles withstood uh, the elements of nature and enemies, your business will withstand macroeconomic factors like recessions, depressions, pandemics, and competitors. Mm, I love this. How do we create a great culture in the castle? Right. Let's say there's an enemy that's coming to attack. How do we create some great defenders of the castle via the culture that you have in there? Like, what would be your maybe one or two pieces of advice? Because a lot of entrepreneurs that I speak to nowadays, they're, they're really getting into this whole culture conversation. They want to know how to create a great culture within their company so that the, the company is very much vision driven and on the same page. Uh, it's actually a great question because, uh, you know, I've got a lot of practical experience by bringing change. And uh, I, I basically have chronicled in the book. Uh, the steps that I've taken to build a culture. So somebody told me once that to change culture, Sandeep, it takes seven years. And then they were amazed that we were able to fix everything in a year. And so <laughs> so <laughs> and I think it comes down to some simple things. Uh, the first thing is, I believe that you need to bring awareness 
to your employees. So I believe in a lot of engagement with my employees. I like to lay out what is it what we are trying to solve. So I have a number of ways of doing it. Like I have informal meetings called Ask Me Anything meetings where anyone with a birthday in the month used to sit and have a round table with me that we get breakfast together or something and just chat about anything. It, this is a very open meeting where you can ask me anything, literally anything, even on my personal life. It's And the key thing is you've got to make sure that if you're a public company, you have to stay within selective disclosure rules. You can't just say anything you want. Right. But what happened is that created a bond for people to ask me questions. The second thing I did was I would videotape customer interviews and short clips, you know, not more than 10 minutes, a few important questions about what they thought about us. And I would play them at my town halls. And I remember one uh, customer actually told my team, you're the smartest bunch of people I've met, but I trusted you and I lost my bonus last year. And that just hit my entire team. We never had a delay after that. It was amazing because it's very powerful, right? Hearing it directly from a customer. Uh, the third thing is I always wrote newsletters along with my leaders to the team to show them that we owe them and we have to tell them about what's happening in the business. Just like we expect them to report to us, we need to report to the team too. So engagement is one. The second is I, I like to break up my annual operating plan into a set of very important metrics that if we hit, we will hit the plan. These are diagnostic metrics. I want my metrics to be thermostats, not thermometers. A thermometer tells you what the temperature is. A thermostat mm -hmm. reacts to it. Yeah. And this is important. So. And then I, I, I go and try to break this plan and metrics into goals for every person in the company uh, so that, you know, they all understand what they need to do. And I call this know your numbers, right? The third thing I do is to make sure that the roles and responsibilities in the company are very clear. For every major deliverable, you have one owner and you can have a number of contributors but you can't have multiple owners. It's like you can't have two quarterbacks in a team mm. playing at the same time. You know, the team will get confused. So uh, it's important. Uh, the third one is I try to, I've got something which I call, I try to make people uh, get, I engender a sense of urgency and teach people how to basically react to problems quickly when they see an issue, fix it before it gets too big. And the way we do it is to actually show people how to grow their capability cube. See, the capability cube has got three dimensions. I ask my managers constantly grow, even incrementally every year. Like, one, are you growing the competence of your group every year? The second dimension, are you growing the capacity of your group every year? That means, can you do more with the same number of people? Competences, you solve harder problems with the same number of people. And the third thing is, what is the clarity of your communication? Are you confusing people or you're making it precise so they know what they need to do? You know, so grow your capability cube. Then the next thing I always do is I say, you know, I'd like to prune 
the yellow leaves. You know, there's a great story told to me by a professor from Columbia University. He said he and his wife bought two potted plants. Okay, they put them on their balconies overlooking, I think, uh, Central Park in New York. They're both getting the same amount of sun, uh, both got water, but he found that his wife's tree was actually very lush, but his tree was developing yellow leaves and they kept growing more ye yellow leaves. So he actually spied and he said, well, what's his wife doing? And she he found every morning she was removing all the yellow leaves. And when he started doing that, his plants started thriving too. Very often in companies, we spend an inordinate amount of time with difficult people. They're the yellow leaves. They suck the energy out of the company, right? And you want to spend it on those who are productive. And so that's the story that he taught me. And ever since I said, look, you, we all have to be in this, rowing in the same direction. If you refuse to row in the same direction, well, you probably get onto another boat, you know? Yeah. And then lastly, how do you reinforce and validate that you're on the right track, right? Regularly, periodically, you've got to show the team that all the things you guys are doing is on the right track. And if you're not on the right track, then you've got to correct it. And you need to reward people for doing the right thing at the right time, because it's better to do it then than later, because warm porridge is always better than cold porridge. <laughs> I love I love your analogies. They're so good. It helps us to remember these principles. Yeah, you know, I had uh, Gary Vaynerchuk on the podcast many years ago, and, and he said, it's more important to know who to fire than to hire most of the time, right? Like, yeah, that's right. we that's have like very unproductive people. I actually know somebody that comes in and trains uh, <clears throat> employees of companies to teach them how to live in their values. And in return, what happens is, is some of them actually end up leaving the company on their own accord rather than the company having to fire them. So it's a bit of a passive approach, but it means people can walk away doing what they actually really love and close that book. And then the company actually has people that want to be there. So yeah, it's, it's, I love that you've shared these principles for culture. Uh, do you have any specific example of a company that you've worked with that successfully implemented the principles that you've outlined in this book and, and yes, have yes. you seen significant growth and results? Because yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the theme, actually, one of the key stories in the book I talk about is, uh, you know, in, in early 2001, we had formed a joint venture between Ericsson and Sony. And we started with a significant revenue. And uh, the revenue dropped precipitously within uh, a year and a half. It came down by almost 40%. And uh, wow. we were in a crisis situation. And the reason is we were trying to copy the biggest guy in the market, that's Nokia. And Nokia was had scale. They so because they had economies of scale, they were building many more phones and they had a better brand, they had better distribution channels. So they were winning on all fronts, and we were trying to copy them, and that's not a good strategy. So we came up with a strategy that uh, how to build multimedia phones. So get your phones to play music, watch videos, play games, pay bills, all sorts of things. Okay, but nobody had ever built the technology for it. It was not so. So we came up with a concept, and uh, there was a company in Sweden actually building this technology. And they said, "Hey, you know what, Sandeep? Since you came up with the concept, 
why don't you go to this company and help us deliver it? So I was shipped off from North Carolina to Sweden. And uh, when I landed there, I found out that brilliant company, absolutely amazing. I would uh, bet one of the best companies I worked for and the people were all my friends. And uh, But for every dollar they made, they lost a dollar. And we had spent a billion dollars uh, in investing in the technology without any output. Oh, we had some output, but it, the customers were not happy. And so uh, I implemented a lot of the principles that I talk about in the book in that company. In one year, we turned around, we became profitable. And in less than three years, we took 30% market share in the world. So this works. And then wow. I took the same framework. The next company, it worked again. In that company, uh, we had very bad gross margin. So we were about 18% less than the industry standard. But using the same principles in 18 months, I got back the 18% margin, which is about $370 million a year. And uh, then I implemented it once again a few years later. And uh, uh, in that company, uh, we grew from <clears throat> at a tremendous rate, almost like uh, we grew at uh, a compounded annual growth rate of about 27%. And the profit grew at an incredible rate of like multiples of that. <laughs> so so wow. this thing works. <laughs> yeah, just a, just a little bit of extra change, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's tried in multiple countries. Uh, you know, it's it's a lot of common sense. You know, what I suggest is uh, is is really common sense. It's uh, but I'm it's it's not a lot of uh, esoteric or sophisticated um, things. It is it's things that a lot of people can do. Yeah. I don't know why it's not done more often. Yeah, it's it's like this allure, isn't it, within our our own human psyche to want to try the trendy thing. It's like, you know, I want the sexy, the cool, the, but ultimately <laughs> principles over trends, you know, principles last throughout the ages and, and trends come and go. So, yeah. And it sounds like that's what happened with Ericsson at the, at the beginning. And then you brought them back to principles and then they were able to, you know, do really well. So, yeah, I love this. And, and your book, it sounds like it just has so much wisdom in it. Uh, so if anybody's listening to this right now and you're building out your business, you want to go bigger with it and scale it, or you already have a big business and you're wondering why you're hitting some hurdles, make sure you grab Sandeep's book. Uh, it's called Your Company is Your Castle, Proven Methods for Building a Resilient Business. And that's the key, resilience. So let's talk a little bit about that because a lot has changed over the last few years You know, in the world technology is literally like a hockey stick right now. If you have a look at the curvature of, of technological growth and innovation, it's just off the charts. So a lot is changing. A lot of people are getting scared because they, they say, you know, AI is going to come in and replace my jobs. Uh, so what are your thoughts on this? What can we do in the years ahead? What are you thinking based off all your wisdom with your hindsight of what is it? Three decades, 30 years plus of, of, you know, work experience in these fields, what can we do to be able to continue to build successful businesses and, and scale in times of AI? Well, I think, uh, you know, AI has some very, very good uses, uh, but you still need people to uh, train these machines and build these algorithms that train machines. So there's a lot of science that goes into AI that's all done by humans. Uh, you know, machines don't, yeah. don't do that. Uh, there's a lot of interpretation of the data 
that's needed. But I mean, that's only one part. You know, there's a lot of additional things, even to run AI machines. You need sophisticated computers. You need sophisticated machines. Who builds those chips? Somebody has to build them. Somebody has to program those chips, right? Somebody has to build the servers. Somebody has to build storage. Somebody has to build networking, you know? So I think, uh, I don't believe, I think this AI will help us innovate and find new, get us new discoveries. But I don't think it will replace a lot of human jobs. I don't think, I don't, I'm not a believer that AI will replace what we do. I think we'll have to adapt and morph. But there's plenty to be done uh, in a variety of fields. Uh, even application of AI to different areas. I'll give you one really interesting area. I'm on the on a board of a very cool company that uses artificial intelligence on patents, intellectual property patents. So it can do very clever things. Like when you file a patent, you write an application and you send it off to the US Patent Office or the European Patent Office. The examiner looks at it and comes back with what is called office actions. So they question many things. And you send it to an attorney and an attorney basically goes through it. And uh, it's quite expensive because an attorney's time is expensive and it's well worth it because they do a great job. However, imagine while the person was looking through this patent, you had an AI tool that could analyze the patent and bring up, if the, if the examiner said this is not novel, you could actually reference it and bring the information to show that it was novel, that the prior art was not really relevant. So the AI engine could go search, come back with all the information, help the attorney, shortening the time for the response. And like this, there are many, many, many interesting applications that you can apply AI to. So think of AI as a tool, okay, and nothing more. So how do humans use it in order to do cleverer things? So I don't believe that AI is going to replace uh, human beings. Uh, but it's going to actually just enhance their productivity. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. We always need human connection, that physical touch, that human connection. Also our creativity goes beyond a computer, right? So absolutely. Yeah. Because, you know, like when, when they use AI, somebody is formulating, like when they do drug discovery, which used to take years and they've shortened it dramatically. There's someone thinking about a model that AI needs to solve. You know, and that the computers are yeah. doing. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Sante, this is so good. Thank you. I really appreciate all of this. And I'm sure anybody that's listening, they'd be a fool not to be taking notes in this episode. Uh, what advice would you give for a new entrepreneur that has just stepped into the online world, right? Because there's a lot of opportunity there whether you get into like e-commerce or a service-based business like coaching or creating infomercial, you know, information products. Uh, what advice would you give to an entrepreneur that's a little bit kind of like starry-eyed, maybe a little bit ignorant towards the business scape? Uh, what would you give them as like a heads up of advice? You know, it's a little difficult without knowing, and I'm not an expert in every area. Uh, I yeah. know technology and, uh, in, a, in certain areas of technology, although it's a little broad, but you know, <clears throat> I think uh, 
I've got some personal beliefs that I share with my children, my mentees. I've written an article in uh, a CEO world, uh, which was published. It's a six minute read. And the seven principles are laid out or seven beliefs. I tell everyone that the first thing, if you want to be a leader or you want to grow in your life to lead something, try to follow these principles and adapt them. Do it in your own style. Don't do it in my style because everyone's journey is personal. So the first one is I say dream with conviction. Okay. Uh, in 1984, when I fell in love with mobile phones, uh, there were not any mobile phones being produced. They started in 83, but they were big and you're bulky and you strapped them on your back. And everyone told me, something. what are you doing? Are you, you're going to go and do a PhD, you got a scholarship. This, this business is going nowhere. You will, won't get a job after you graduate. Uh, but I said, no, this is going to be the future. All technology changes. And I'm going to bet that this is going to be big. And, you know, it was my conviction that gave me a good career. Okay, so that's principle number one. Dream with conviction. Don't give up that. Give that up. Okay. The second thing is uh, get out of your comfort zone as far as possible. So, you know, after a few years of doing research and I was quite respected, I said, no, I don't know how to build the products that I researched. So I gave up my research job and volunteered for a product job. You know, the toughest thing was actually... Uh, I didn't know as much as my employees. And it was an odd feeling. In the previous job, I knew as much or more than anyone. But in this job, I was suddenly the runt in the litter. And you've got to get used to that. And you have to adapt. It's a complete mindset change. And it prepares you for what's going to come in your life as you run businesses. And I adapted. I studied. I came out. I did. I worked really hard. And I essentially, it's... I've written more about it in the paper. You can read that. But um, when I was able to do that and I got the formula how to change, I kept rotating through different parts of the business with constantly changing. And very quickly, uh, I got promoted because they said, wow, this is the one guy who knows every aspect of the business. So it set me apart. The third thing is I always reflect on success and failure. Success is exhilarating. But we, I learned more from my mistakes. And I said, what can I do to correct it so I don't do it again? The fourth thing is, I said, hey, how do you learn to deal with adversity? You know, in, when you, everyone faces adversity of different levels. The key thing is to walk away from it or learn to deal with it, but never let it swallow you. Okay. A professor friend of mine told me, dealing with adversity, great advice. He said, once I was very upset, and he said, why are you upset? And I told him the story about what happened. And he said, Sandeep, look, if you had one sandwich on your plate and you were hungry and someone took away the sandwich from you, you should be upset. But your plate is full of sandwiches. So why are you upset? You know, he said, it's a great story. It said in life, you're going to get many opportunities, right? Don't dwell on the past dwell on what you can do with what you have. Mm. And then uh, the next thing is, uh, uh, you know, I always tell people that get battle tested. You know, earlier I was talking to you and you appreciate it since you're from Perth that, uh, you know, playing cricket on a fast pitch, 
It's not so easy. <laughs> Especially if you have someone steaming and bowling at you at 80, 90 miles an hour. Yeah. And there's a cricket ball coming at you. And, uh, uh, you know, however much you practice in the nets, it doesn't matter. It's the game that matters against a formidable opponent. And when that ball's coming at you, it's a combination of talent, technique, and temperament. Right? And you've got to get battle-tested and volunteer for those assignments that gets you battle-tested. And finally, uh, stay true. You know, no one will believe you, believe in you as much as you believe in yourself, right? So remember that and also basically learn to walk the talk. You know, do what you say. Don't do say things just to be popular. You know, and when, uh, and I think I forgot one of the principles and that is be curious. You know, a, a Jesuit priest who was my teacher in school, I went to a Catholic school, and uh, the Jesuit priest said, it's your, it's your choice if you want to be ignorant or not. And ever since, I started noting down the little things people would say that I didn't know, and I would not note them down in a, jot them down in a notebook, and I would go and try to learn about them. You don't have to be an expert at everything, but be curious to learn, because knowledge commands respect if used properly. And I have found that knowledge and attitude breaks down every barrier. Uh, these are so powerful. Are these in your book? Yes. I just came after they okay, good, good, good. So, you know, if we miss anything, make sure you read it in, in Sandeep's book. Sandeep, you've uh, given us a well of knowledge and, and wisdom here today, and I really appreciate you for that. Thank you, thank you. Uh, anybody that's listening, make sure you get your hands on Sandeep's book. Uh, you know, I think even if you're not at the stage of even building your business yet, but you want to start getting yourself into the mindset of what it is to actually create something in this world and put it out there, grab his book, Your Company is Your Castle, okay? Uh, Sandeep, we end every interview with this one last question. And this question is, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? Oh, it's the it's the last line of my book. Uh, it says, um, you know, believe in yourself, right? Do the things you like. Work with the people you like. And always believe in the great hope that the future brings. <laughs>